Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Christopher Ifill, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Ian Collis, John Dulong, Josias Melendez, Leanne S., Light Relentless, and Poolside123. Become a Patreon backer of our podcast today for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. Lucas, I uh, I want to I want to put something out into into the universe. I want to u- use use the power of positive energy because I really want to make something happen. Uh, Hit me with you. it. I'm feeling that magic energy. Okay, so I, I I'm putting this out. I'm willing this uh, into being now because I'm noticing a lot. There's, there's a certain that there's a certain person that I'm seeing in a lot of different circles. Uh, you know, on things I'm wa- things I watch, on things I listen to, and I think it would be fantastic if we could get him on the show sometime. So, uh, Macaulay Culkin, if you're out there, and I know you are, you're all you're a Macaulay Culkin's really got an an excellent internet footprint these days. So I'm putting that out there into the universe. I want Macaulay Culkin. On Elwood City on Elwood Limits. City Limits. Yeah. If you were to cast Macaulay Culkin as one of the Arthur Gang. Uh, who would he be? I, he strikes me as a buster. Well, I would say so as well because I mean, he even has a podcast called Bunny Ears. That's his new podcast. So right, uh, that's uh, I think that's a pretty natural fit. Well, it's settled then. Macaulay yeah. Culkin, come on, Elwood City Limits. Come on in, Culkster. I promise I won't oh, ask geez. you. Won't he's, ask. He's definitely not going to come in if you call him the Culkster. <laughs> uh, and I won't even ask you that much about Home Alone. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of Elwood City Limits. Happy to have you with us. My name's Will Young, and that's Lucas Mancini. Hello. Uh, I will say that uh, I want to make sure that I didn't forget this um, as we get into the start of the episode here. Uh, we've actually got a a posthumous fact about our last episode, which was the election. Uh, this is supplied by former uh, guest host from the show and friend of the show, uh, JV, JV. Uh, he so for Muffy's campaign, one of the signs that she had up in the cafeteria said, "It's the cafeteria, silly." And JV told me that this is a reference to Bill Clinton's campaign, where his strategist had utilized the phrase, "It's the economy, stupid." Right. As I a, remember, it's the economy, stupid. As an internal campaign slogan, I've never heard of this before. Another slick willy classic. You know, Arthur can't get enough of Slick Willie. He was in an episode. DW met him. And now the, the slogans prevail. Um, he might be the most referenced real-life politician in all of Arthur. We don't hear a lot of, like, Nixon or, you know. What what was the independent I kept talking about last episode? Uh, um, oh, God. Uh, was it Gary something? <laughs> well, Gary Johnson's the libertarian one, but there's the other one. There's, uh, uh, uh. God, the old guy who ran against uh, Bill Clinton in the '90s. Anyway, oh, um, uh, d- uh, Bob, uh, Bob, r- Bob Dole. No, not Bob Dole. You only know who Bob Dole is because of the Simpsons. That's absolutely true. Simpsons <laughs> and Family Guy, actually. Dude, yeah. <laughs> but that's truly that's really his lasting, his lasting impression on pop culture is that Simpsons episode. I'm Bob Dole. <laughs> Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah, that's uh, I, there's a, there's a lot. What I don't know about American politics could uh, fill a book on American politics. Uh, so we do have one email that I want to get to really quickly too over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Always appreciate the messages we get over there. Uh, this one is from Kelsey Marie, who wishes us a happy belated Halloween. Oh my goodness. Uh, sorry, I'm going to get into this email, and then we've got to talk about something before we get to the actual episode. Hope you guys had fun Halloween plans. This is Kelsey again. I passed out candy while I watched the Arthur Haunted Treehouse episode. Uh, and Kelsey also says, Binky was the student of the month of this Halloween episode. Binky's my second favorite character besides Mr. Ratburn. I usually like Binky the most when he's paired up with Buster in some episodes. Also, do you think they're ever going to do another Christmas special? Because I think... It's about time. Well, Arthur, the show has been pretty prolific with uh, with specials in the newer seasons. I actually haven't seen any of them, but I gotta I gotta believe that a new Christmas one is uh, high on the list. Oh yeah, definitely. They isn't there like a Kwanzaa one eventually, or I don't know. There's Arthur is again one of those shows where it's basically I'm, I'd be surprised if there wasn't an Arbor Day episode. Um, yeah. it's not afraid to play into seasonal tropes, so I, I would expect another Christmas episode. Um, I also agree with her. Um, this episode's fresh in my mind, but I just gotta say, Binky is just so great. We'll get into it later. Yeah. Uh, but what just, I would go as far as to say he has surpassed, uh, Mr. Rapper as my favorite character just by watching these episodes recently. Uh, Binky's just wonderful. A hundred percent. Uh, I had a, I had a flash while I was reading that email because I couldn't believe we had forgot to talk about this. Um, so, um, as I posted about on our social media uh, last week, the Coast Magazine's Best of Halifax Awards 2018 has come and gone. And I'm sorry to say that we did not place in the top three this year. They give it a gold, a silver, and a bronze. But I would like to think that Elwood City Limits is the official copper award winner. Um, I, I like to think of us as a, a close fourth place. Um, congrats to the other winners. It's an honor to be nominated. I've never been, I've always, you know, ever, I grew up reading the coast. And so it's always been a dream of mine to be nominated for a best of award. So even being nominated was exceeded my wildest expectations. Um, and big congrats to my favorite podcast in the city, Dog Island, which came away with a bronze. Mine too. And, uh, you and I had said to each other that if we, if we don't, place we hope that dog island did and that is exactly what happened and it's it was a cool it was really cool thing for me as well and lucas was kind of the person who really internally began the push for this so uh i want to thank everybody who voted for us who nominated us who got us to that point but lucas i want to want to thank you as well uh this was a really fun ride to go on even though it didn't quite end up how we wanted to but there is always next year and you even represented us at the uh the The best the best of halifax gala yeah, the difference is between winning and lo- uh, between winning and not winning. Sorry, I wouldn't say we're losers. Uh, is that I had to pay for my ticket, hmm. but it was well worth it just for the pictures for the gram. Yeah, if you guys aren't following Lucas on Instagram, you're missing out. He had a it's Lucas it's, underscore Mancini. If you want to follow me, a hundred percent. I I was very impressed uh, by your uh, by your flossing. I tried to floss recently with some of my younger relatives, and I w- was told emphatically that I can't do it. I listen. Let me tell you a dark secret about when you're not a Generation Z and you're trying to floss. Uh, I didn't like wake up flossing like these these kids these days can. I had to watch hours of YouTube tutorials, 
and practice in front of the beer before I would even begin to floss in public. So that's from, uh, you know, picture me like basically flossing under a waterfall because uh, uh, <laughs> the end product you're seeing is after hours of hard work. I think you did. I think you did great. I really wanted to uh, uh, affirm you there, and uh, you you're also rocking the suit, and which is great. Like it turned out that I wasn't able to go with you because I was working that night. Uh, but it turns out that like I I kind of missed the whole gala thing. So if I was there, I would have I would have shown up in like a hooded sweater and jeans. You know my normal my normal stuff, and you would have been embarrassed to have you have me on your arm no 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 they say to dress uh what what's your personal best there was plenty of people who were a little bit more dressed down uh so you wouldn't have been that out of place all right well that's still that's still not my best that's more of like my normal like you should you should have seen me should have seen me dress this monday when it was 10 degrees out i was just going to buddy's place to watch wrestling it was like sweatpants with my pajamas underneath it Uh (laughs) A hoodie and flip, and not not flip flops. Uh, Birkenstocks. Thank God. Oh, even worse. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> I'm just joking with you. Oh, you have every no, you have every right to. Anyway, one more big thank you from us to you. We will try again uh, next year, but it certainly feels good uh, to be nominated, and I'm glad that we had some sort of presence at the gala, regardless. And now we we just keep doing what we're doing. We're going through. Uh, episode uh, season five of Arthur here and we've got two full episodes uh, or two full stories in this full episode here and uh, sleep no more I recognized from the title immediately I knew it was a buster episode and I knew it was the one where he went to the the pizza restaurant let's say so we get this incredible opening yeah <laughs> uh, buster as an academic and as someone who is currently enrolled in post-secondary education i haven't been for a long time and now i'm back going to school uh this was particularly this tickled me uh, as a a biting parody of real life um basically you know presentations and seminars and lectures um arthur coming out dressed as like call him i hate to bring this person up but call him arthur b peterson because uh, Arthur comes out uh, uh, dressed with, like, the three-piece suit with a pipe. Um, he's introduced by Arthur, his esteemed colleague, which is another, like, funny detail. Um, and then there was also funny, like, what I liked about this is, again, it's it's very true to life with the introduction. That's exactly how the introductions would go. And then all uh, the real, uh, realistic as just like a real lecture would, the equipment doesn't work initially. A buster has to be like, roll the tape! Uh, and they make sure to, it doesn't just cut to footage. Like you can see Buster's pointer in the foreground, which is a fun little detail. And basically Buster's giving a presentation about narcolepsy. A big theme of this episode is sleeping. So Buster's welcomes everybody to his Ted talk and he's even got a real good bubble pipe going on. I, I, I I was looking into some years ago, getting a good bubble pipe. But uh, no dice. Uh, they're, they're Where would kind, one kind procure of, such a thing? Uh, like Amazon, I guess. On, online, I think. Like, I think I might have tried to get one from the dollar store, but it was of inferior make. Uh, so, uh, bubble pipe. I really need to put that on my Amazon wish list. Uh, but yeah, Buster uh, kind of giving us the finer points of sleeping. It's it's funny. If, if this were made today, this would absolutely be like... Buster with the uh, with the headset microphone. He's got he's got like the clock in the front of the stage, and it's yes. like doing an actual TED talk. Uh, I gotta say though, 
looking at this now, I know they're like their joke is that Buster sleeps all the time. But if I had a child that was Buster's age and he was sleeping this much, I would be worried he was like had early onset narcolepsy. Like this is an unhealthy uh, amount of falling asleep in inappropriate situations. It's kind of I I was more so worried. I know it's supposed to be funny, like oh Buster's always tired, but I was like worried for his health. I was like, geez. Yeah, I hope Buster doesn't operate any heavy machinery anytime soon. Yeah, a hundred percent. It is. It is a little. It's turned up quite a bit to a cartoonish degree, as as it was. Uh, although I, I I do know that this is where I learned that the name for the the uh, scientific name for the wild boar is Seuss Scrofa. Uh, that's that is the probably the funniest part of the intro is when Buster's snoring and he accidentally makes the wild boar noise. Buster ends off his uh, his big talk by, of course, falling asleep, and his neck next part in the series will be eating after sleeping. And if you're not y- yawning by the end of this, man, you've got a long episode ahead of you. The actual episode begins with uh, is it uh, is it Buster watching the watching the episode? No, it's 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 all the f- all the kids are watching a special on Neil Strongarm landing on the moon. <laughs> and so they're all kind of pontificating about their destinies. What are they destined to do? Um, Brain yep. wants to discover the origin of the universe. Uh, Francine wants to win a gold medal. Um, there's a really funny moment with Muffy where she's like, I want to solve world hunger. And everybody's like shocked. And then she's like, after I retire from being a famous glamorous fashion designer. And everybody kind of like sighs with relief almost. Like, they were worried, like, who are you? What have you done with Muffy? Yeah, it was so drastically out of character. Francine wants to win a gold medal specifically in Olympic hockey, which, uh, when's the last time that uh, the U.S. women's team won gold? I'm not sure when the women's teams won gold. Or, I know or like there's how- an incredible Kurt Russell film where the American men's team wins gold. It's called Miracle. Oh, yes, Miracle. I've never seen it. And they end up on a commercial. Uh, Buster's asleep on the couch, but he's awakened by a commercial for uh, Pizza Paula's Pizza Land, I believe it's called, which is a new theme park which is built around the entire idea of pizza. So how many theme parks have opened in Elwood City's general area thus far? Because I was thinking about this. So there was the one where the puke... Very early on, there was the puke ride that was added to a theme park that already existed. Yeah. Um, and then there was the episode where, uh, there was the new theme park that Arthur and DW wanted to go to, but instead they went to like water zone, which was the beach. Uh, so that was, uh, Aqualand. That was Aqualand. Um, I feel like there's more. There was, uh, there was Ponyland. (laughs) There was Ponyland. Okay. Okay. What I'm starting to get at here is that, um, I don't know. I just don't think all these theme parks opening up within this. This theme park is uh, long enough outside of town that they would have to stay at a hotel to go to it. But it seems like a lot of theme parks opening up in a small area. Um, I know you're a fan of the YouTube channel Defunct Land. I I feel like they'd have a field day (laughs) with all these theme parks in Elwood City. A hundred percent. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting. I don't, uh, speaking of things that would be different if you had this episode today, I feel like um, theme parks as a business venture are... Uh, very much a relic of the 90s, you know? I feel like there was a lot of theme park-related media in the last couple of decades as opposed to right now when kind of the economy was more on the upswing and you could kind of make these big, grand ventures. There was, you know, all the additions to Disney to Disney and, like, Universal, Six Flags, all that kind of stuff, whereas now, like, Paramount... You just get the kids, get the kids a, a HTC Vive... 
<laughs> and they got the virtual theme park. They're good. They're set. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, recently Paramount Canada's Wonderland in Ontario uh, closed down. It's not to say that, you know, theme parks are in regression or anything, but it's just not something that you would see a lot of. It's kind of like how arcades are very much a relic of decades past. Just just a, 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 f- a form of entertainment that speaks a lot more to 90s kids than, say, to Gen Z. So Buster really wants to go to Pizza Paula's Pizza... I'm just trying to figure out if it's Pizza Land or Pizza World. You know, one of, one of the one of the Mario subtitles. Pizza Land. Is it Pizza Palace? Is it not Pizza Palace? Ooh, they, it might... They, they, the, the alliteration would be too good for them to resist. It says Pizza, um, pizza Land here on the commercial, so I'm going to go with that, but I might be wrong. You might be right there, Lucas. There's going to be an eating contest, very reminiscent of the... You know, we've already had this would be the second eating contest on Arthur. There was the one in the the medieval episode. Yeah. Uh, One of our favorite episodes ever. Um, And also it always reminds me in cartoons when there's an eating contest of the legendary Hey Arnold episode where he enters the eating contest. One of my favorite episodes of Hey Arnold next to the Christmas special. Oh, I don't know if I've seen that one. Oh, the Christmas special is really good, though. Well, that that is by by far and away the best episode of Hey Arnold ever. But uh, the eating one is is my other favorite. I think Hey Arnold might be due for a rewatch. I got to find out where that's streaming. Um mm. Another thing not to do, do not watch this episode on an empty stomach. For the amount of times that they talk about pizza and eating and eating contest, I like I had just had breakfast after I had this, so I was good, but like man, I could have been in trouble. So the prize for the eating contest is a pass to any of uh do you remember the pizza lady's name? Pizza Paula. Pizza Paula's restaurants? Right. Which begs the question, what does a pass to a restaurant entail? Ooh, that's good. I didn't pick up on that. Um, maybe it has something to do with like, uh, maybe it's uh, something like a gift certificate or a gift card, or maybe like if if it has the VIP room, maybe. Ooh, the champagne room of pizza restaurants or what have you. Uh, good question. I feel like that would be if like Pete's Fruitique opened up a uh opened up a theme park. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine? It'd be like, it'd be like, oi, gov. <laughs> you gotta get some crisps, <laughs> boy. Some our poor American listeners have no idea what Pete's Fruitique <laughs> is. It's like Whole Foods, but more British, <laughs> with a distinct British flavor. Buy some of <laughs> buy some of me chocolate. This fifteen dollars. It is. Yeah. This is this is Australian. I'm, this is awful. Uh, yeah, that's that's not a chocolate. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Google if you're if you're in the United States, Google Pete's Fruitique if you want to know what we're talking about. Spelled with two. They have spelled... really good pedities, really excellent pedities, and good salads too. But man, you're you're gonna pay for them. I'll tell you that. Um, and it's spelled with two. Expensive, in it. <laughs> uh, spelled with two O's. It is is what I meant. Is what I meant to say. Fruitique. They cost money, much like a trip to this uh, pizza place would, because when uh, Buster brings. The fact that he has to go to this, he, it's his destiny to win this eating contest to his mom. Uh, again, we get some realism with, you know, we know that Buster's mom and him, uh, of all the uh, uh, characters, they're probably on the lower end of the income scale uh, in that, uh, you know, Buster and his mom live in a condo, whereas Arthur lives in a, in a full house. And, and, you know, because Buster's parents are separated, he only has one income in the family. And so we get another... It's, it's one of those we talked a lot about this in season one arthur does this subtle thing where it makes you know people's different living situations totally normal and and 
Yeah. Uh, it doesn't really focus on them. It's just like an aside thing of uh, Buster's mom. It's like, oh, we don't really have the money to do that right now, which I, I always appreciate because they don't make a big deal out of it. It's just like, you know, it's just a part of some people's lives. Yeah, it's just, um, it's just a fact of life. And then we get a really funny moment where uh, Buster's like, she's like, it'll cost a lot of money that we don't have. Buster goes, money? Hmm. Uh, I, I I forgot about something in the in the commercial for Pizza Palace. Pizza Palace. Uh, they have like a bit of a jingle which wakes Buster up, and it's like, you know, it's like Pizza Paula, where pep- pepperoni and something and paper thin crust dough. And I was like, is that a selling point of pizza for the dough to be paper thin? Well, later on, I know that uh. Someone picks a pizza off the ground and oh, proclaims yeah, it's, a, I got it's some... a deep dish pizza. So, um, the, if deep dish pizza uh, does not have a paper thin crust, so who knows? I, yeah. I think they just couldn't resist the pea puns. Like, I don't know what it is with this. These two episodes. There's a part in the next episode we're gonna talk about where when Bicky's asked like what pets, he has to like list a bunch of pets. He's like a python, piranhas. <laughs> I don't know what it is with p alliteration, but uh, these two episodes are obsessed with it. Good observation. Uh, yeah. So Buster try does a montage of odd jobs to try and raise money for them to go to the pizza palace, but. Uh, this is where I made my own uh, narcolepsy observation. Like at every single job, he just ends up falling asleep. He's the most bizarre one is when he's like selling lemonade. This one, it's like I don't even know what's going on here. He's selling lemonade. A guy wakes him up so to buy some lemonade. Buster pours a glass of lemonade, drinks it, and then immediately falls back asleep. I don't know if he was in some sort of haze or if he was sleepwalking. Or yeah. he just, like, woke up thirsty, like when you wake up at 3 a.m. and you get that delicious tap water. Must I, That that must that must be it, I, I feel. Uh, yeah, so it's, he's, like, mowing the lawn in a push mower. He's uh, washing Mr. Crosswire's cars. He's taking care of the tibbles and then just keeps falling asleep. He ends up getting, like, I don't know, 50 cents from the whole, from all four of those. So not Three exa- coins, of, three silver coins of... Of I don't know what the value is of them, but yeah, so anywhere from like fifteen to seventy-five cents. So not nothing terribly great, but because again, like you said, uh, Bitsy is a reporter. Uh, she ends up getting a call, and they just so happen to get tickets for uh, Bitsy Buster and Buster's friends to all go to Pizza Palace in order to cover its opening. Which I don't think that's how journalism works. <laughs> I I think it's I I mean correct me if I'm wrong, journalists. But I don't think if you want your like, let's say the newspaper was gonna go cover this pizza palace. I don't think it's ethical for the pizza palace to put her up in the suite. I you know what? Now that I think about it, I get, no because when game uh uh journalists go to cover like Hitman and they go to like uh uh. Jeez, is Amsterdam that uh, uh, Hitman's made in? Some European country. Yeah. Um, isn't it their publication that puts them in a hotel? Mm, I guess I don't really know. Well, I, it just found I just found it weird that Bitsy was like put up in a suite by the pizza place, but uh, I guess that's not too crazy. It could work if she was like doubling as the food columnist or something, or like a restaurant reviewer or something like that. But it's <laughs> between the two of us, we both went to journalism school. I feel like. <laughs> We should know something about this. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, th- I think they're in the clear. I'm, I'm more impressed slash bemused that they would put 
up not just Bitsy and Buster, but like all of Buster's little friends. Dude, once you get the, those journalism credentials, you could accomplish anything. Um, <laughs> speaking of our, our friends at Dog Island, uh, they recently got into Halcon. Yeah, with they got the journalism the, passes. They got the press pass. <laughs> that's a dream, man. We got we got to remember that next year. Well, I remember that's a that's a grift we got to get in on. Yeah, I mean, I'm I I was actually thinking about just that. I'll t- I'll talk to you talk to you off air about that. Um, so yeah, they do end up all going to, uh, pizza, pizza land. And, uh, we get a little thing here where in order to get into pizza land, you have to go through a giant kind of statue of pizza Paula's head and it's on a track. And the thing that the cart that takes you there is shaped like a pizza slice. And she says, Abondanza. There's like a, an announcement where she says abundanza and i always wondered what that was as a kid it seems to be an italian word that means abundance abundanza yeah i wasn't from as a i feel embarrassed as an italian myself did not recognize it and as you said buster bends down and picks up part of the sidewalk and eats it and it's apparently a viable pizza to which i was like nope not doing it, not eating pizza that people have put their dirty sneakers on. No, thank you. Also, the cheese out in the sun, this this raises a whole lot of questions. This You know, what it pizza. reminds me of, I feel like this is the second week in a row where we've mentioned this, but um, Buster picked up that pizza and ate it without knowing it was edible beforehand, much like our favorite character from the film, Star Wars The Last Jedi, who tastes the ground and goes, it's salt, <laughs> before he knows the ground is edible. <laughs> yeah, the first, the first, the first thing you think to do is to put it in your mouth. Didn't you watch? Didn't you watch those commercials when you were a kid? You could, Again, if you, you're, you could get if sick. If you're American, uh, please Google Canadian. Don't you put it in your mouth? Ad. You could get uh, sick. Ick. Yeah. It, it, real ick. quick. Ick. Real sick. Real ick. Like a muffin or a beet. Like a muffin or a beet. Uh, Buster goes to sign up for Pizza Paula's Pizza Pig Out, which is the eating contest that he feels is his destiny. I love this. Uh, Buster signs up and they have like uh, free pizza, like free whole pizzas for everybody. And Buster does a move I've always wanted to do. He folds a pizza in half and then folds it again and eats it like a sandwich. Did I tell you that one of my friends recently participated in a pizza eating competition? No. Uh, my my friend Chisholm's older brother uh, competed in the. Uh, there's an establishment here in Halifax called King of Donaire, and they had a pizza their first annual pizza eating contest. Um, and he didn't win, but the gentleman who did win from PEI, uh, of his course. strategy you were able to bring whatever beverage you wanted. So he brought a uh, uh, like a beer pitcher, and he filled it with water. Mm. Uh, for those of you who have weak stomachs, please skip thirty seconds. Uh, he would take the piece of pizza, fold it, and then dunk the entire thing in the water, uh, and then he would eat it. And as he was eating that pizza, he would then fold and dunk the other piece of pizza. Uh, and that's how he was able to eat, I think, the, like, 12, 14 slices of pizza in 10 minutes. Wow. Uh, that he did to win the contest. But um, it was quite a sight to behold. Unbelievable. That's quite the strategy. That's think- That's outside-the-box thinking uh, for so- for something like a pizza eating contest that I would absolutely expect out of PEI, he would uh no shade, ring no. out. Oh, I, I forgot to mention that he would squeeze the pizzas to rig out all the liquid after he had dunked them. Huh, uh, and it was pretty gross. I bet it was. 
by the way, I love PEI. No shade, but come on. Uh, hey, the birthplace of Confederation. Uh, so Buster is all getting ready for the night. In fact, he's going to bed at six o'clock, which is kind of a losing move. You don't—that's way too early to be going to bed. You're going to be waking up at like three o'clock in the morning. It's not going to be a good time. But I can understand why he might think this is a good idea. While everybody else goes to like a laser light show, and I gotta say, these kids are pretty mean about Mar. Are, like again, Buster. I'm pretty sure Buster has. Uh, early onset narcolepsy <laughs> and his friends are like really like giving him the gears like yeah buster's always falling asleep at inappropriate times and then they're like making fun of him as they leave and i'm like guys your friend is sick he <laughs> needs help like you gotta be nicer ah <laughs> oh, kids don't understand it's it, 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 narcolepsy didn't even seem real when i was little it seemed like something that a character on freaky stories would have one day Buster's going to be driving a car and he's going to fall asleep and it's not going to be good. That's all I'm saying. Man, we keep on talking about what happens if Buster get, when when he gets to college. That's if he gets to college at this exactly. rate. Uh, yeah, so Buster does the, a couple of like exercises, bef- like chewing exercises before bed, which, you know, is kind of funny. He seemingly goes to sleep. Everybody goes to see the light show, which is in like a cheese river, which again, God, the smell of that place. It must... <laughs> Can you imagine? It must, it must reek. There's a, hey, speaking of binky, great binky line here. You know, it's just basically like pizza toppings done with laser lights. There's fireworks. And then everybody leaves and binky goes, wow, that was deep. <laughs> uh, so we get back to the hotel room where everybody is sleeping. Buster uh, can't sleep. Uh, so his mother offers him earplugs and her sleeping mask. I've always thought of wearing a sleep mask. I always like to have a little bit of, uh, uh, of pressure. Sensory on... deprivation. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit of extra pressure on my face. I find that that helps me sleep. I don't know why. Like that's no. What... we all have our rituals. I can't sleep unless I have a fan and I tuck my blankies under me like a burrito. Oh yes. Uh, I, I am also sleeping with, uh, with a fan on more regularly now, but that's also because, there's uh there's two warm bodies in the in the bedroom which I'm absolutely not used I'm still getting used to. Yeah, I I just always need to sleep on my side. I find that I can't really fall asleep if I'm on my back unless I'm really tired. Now, I I think so th- we're getting to the part of the episode where uh while they were at the light show, uh you want to talk about Trippy, uh Buster must have been taking edibles off screen <laughs> because after he puts the sleeping mask on, for some reason he has like a pizza hallucination. Yeah, he goes immediately to sleep, and then he starts seeing, like, pizzas floating. He sees all kinds of lights and colors, and it's uh, it, it's it's the immediacy of the follow-up that really kind of lends credence to your theory here. That maybe Have we also seen, uh, have we seen Arthur's dreams yet? That's another highlight of this episode I wanted to touch on is... We can go into uh, we can go so those now. Buster keeps waking up. Basically, and before every time Buster wakes up, we're treated to uh, uh, Arthur's dreams being interrupted. Basically, he has these bizarre dreams where, like, DW is his servant, and she like makes him breakfast in bed, and then she's like, "Is there anything else you want me to do today, Arthur?" And then Arthur like brings up like Chris Jericho's list of moves that he knows, <laughs> um, and sort of like unravels this scroll of item like an itemized list of things for DW to do. But then, of course, he's shaken awake by Buster. Number number four on the list of things for DW to do: arm bar. <laughs> uh, but yeah, th- my I loved this because DW is reading it off, and eventually she starts like saying 
like what seems like random things. She's like, first is first is four first is four hours, two minutes, and one second to go. And Arthur's like, what are you saying? And then Buster ends up waking him up, and he's and Arthur's just like, DW, don't go. <laughs> It's you know there's it only happens like twice in the episode, but every time Arthur is woken up, he's so uh, uncharacteristically rude. Uh, oh no, it's, it's it's very realistic because I was paying close attention to the clock. Um, during, there's a digital clock next to Arthur's bed, and it's like twelve forty the first time he wakes up, and then it's like one o eight the second time. And these are like eleven year olds we're talking about here. If someone woke me up at like one o eight, I would be so cranky, like. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. It makes sense. It's just like you're not used to hearing Arthur kind of take this tone with people. Uh, the second time he's woken up. Uh, well, OK, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. So all the kids are trying different techniques to help Buster fall asleep. Uh, Francine's trying to tire him out by making him exercise, which just makes him hungry. Uh, Brain shows him math equations, which immediately puts him out. But then he dreams he hears the lunch bell. I think that's my that's probably my favorite uh, tactic. Uh Muffy gives him like her like sleep net thing. It looked- yeah, I, or Muffy had like a completely different bed ordered in or something. But then he eats chips in it, and she kicks him out of the bed. Um, I, Muffy strikes me as the type of person who would have a food bed. <laughs> uh, and Binky says it. It always helps me to punch my pillow a few times. It's like, does that help you sleep? And he's like, no, but it makes my hand hurt, which makes me think, which makes me think about that instead of how I can't sleep. Which begs the question: How hard is Binky's pillow? Yeah, he must. He must need those. He must need those real stiff. Like maybe he stuffs it with hay. <laughs> uh, and Arthur's suggestion: counting sheep seems to be the one that works. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's like twelve forty-one or something by the clock. So this is way past this these kids' bedtimes. And we get another dream sequence that uh, that Buster interrupts of D.W. smashing her crazy bus merchandise. Which is hilarious. It's so funny. Yeah. She's like taking a mallet to it. And then she's like, and then I'm going to destroy all my Mary Moo Cow stuff next. <laughs> and Bus- and Buster wakes Arthur up. And Arthur's like, Buster, no, you fell asleep. You counted sheep. He's so he's so exasperated. Yeah, he's distraught. And there's even a point where it's like Buster's explaining, like, I was thinking about this. But then that made me think about this. And that made me think about this. And Arthur's like, Buster, stop it already. Like no, yeah, he was thinking about counting sheep, and then he thought of shepherds, and that made him think of shepherd's pie, which made him think of pizza. And then Arthur just immediately falls back to sleep. It's He's just completely done with it all. Uh, so Buster decides to order room service, uh, but room service is closed for the night, so he has to go down to the kitchen to get it, which I feel like I have not been to enough hotels to know if that's, like, a normal thing or not. Oh, yeah, I think so. I've heard of that before. Go down to the kitchen if you're trying to get room service at a certain time. I think a uh, hotel may vary. Okay, uh, and he does, and there are a bunch of people who are making pizzas for the pizza pig out, and in fact, they enlist the help of Buster, and they even give him a chef's hat to make pizzas, and it turns out a bunch of the people who are making them are the other contestants who can't sleep because they're also really nervous about the pizza pig out, and in fact- Which is, this this whole situation's just bizarre. It's just odd. Yeah. It's really weird. Not like, not in a bad way. It's just like, what a strange direction for this to go in that Buster goes downstairs to get a snack and then like all the other contestants have also been roped in into making pizzas. Like how poorly does the chef know his staff? It's just, it's just a really strange way for this episode to go. I was like, what's going on here? 
Yeah, and one of and Buster sees himself kind of mirrored in these people because one of them even says, "It's my destiny to do this," and it, Buster ends up essentially teaching the lesson of the episode to himself by sound by basically sounding it out to everybody else, and it's just like you shouldn't put this much pressure on yourself. It's just a contest. And that's another what... realistic element of this episode is that the other people entering the pizza contest like travel around and do multiple different eating contests. At the pizza uh, co- eating contest I attended, there was a gentleman who was going to do a p- eating contest in Toronto, but uh, there was weather, so the contest was canceled. So instead, he did one here. <laughs> so huh. these traveling eating contest people are real. Oh, absolutely. I bet. I bet you could even, if you're good enough at it, you can make a living like that. Uh... Like uh, Kobayashi, the hot dog guy. Kobayashi, the legend. But this is Buster telling himself that it's just a contest is finally what he needs to fall asleep. He falls asleep on like several bags of flour. Um, the next day at the Pizza Pig Out. Uh, by the way, I'm surprised that this eating contest doesn't have an age limit. Like all the people that Buster talks to are like in their 30s and 40s. It seems like, but Buster's like eight years old, so I can't believe that nobody was like, "Yeah, you, you can't be doing this, kid." As far as I know, there was no age limit at the one I attended either. Fair enough. I guess it would be, it would have to be the parents stepping in, but maybe I don't know. Bitsy just knows her knows her son knows that he'll be just fine. I guess. So, uh, hey Arnold, no age limit. I think. <laughs> uh, so everybody who was making pe- everybody who is entering the pizza pig out are still super tired or just like dead on their feet. Basically, Buster's fully rested. However, the pizza pig out gets called off because Pizza Paula herself didn't sleep a wink the night before and so so it's put put off until the next day so everybody can get a good night's sleep and buster's disappointed and then this is actually the end of the episode where it's like cut to buster in his hotel room and he wakes up again and and he just goes guys guys and that's 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 the end I know. Kind of, a really weird ending. Yeah, and I and I was disappointed. I want to know if Buster fulfilled his destiny or not. You, I know, like, yeah. I don't know. I maybe they didn't have time to be like, let's go through the whole pizza contest and have Buster either win or get into second place, or maybe they th- thought that wasn't important to the end of the story. But it's just kind of weird. I mean, we'll talk about this again during Final Judgments, but Buster kind of immediately unlearns the lesson he just learned because he can't get to sleep again, even though he's already come to terms with, like, it's not really his destiny. Like, he, I don't know. Odd. Yeah. All right, so while Lucas right uses back. the washroom, uh, let's hear from one of us. Hi there, Elwood City Limits listener. Just a quick note here from your buddy, your pal, Will Young, that this show is supported by all of you listeners just like you by the following ways. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter at ECL Podcast. Tumblr, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Instagram at Elwood City Limits. Drop us a line on social media. We'd love to hear from you and give us a like, a heart, whatever it is. Email elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can get your email read here on the air. Just send it to us and uh, let us know what you think of the episode, of the show, of anything in particular that we might have talked about or that's on your mind. And you can find the podcast by going to elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com. And you can find it at your local podcast provider. Now, if the show is not on a service that you use all the time and you'd like to change that, make sure to drop us a line and we will get it on there as soon as possible. All right, let's get back to the episode now, already in progress. 
yeah, so now we are getting into Pet Peeved, which I was not exactly sure what it was. Uh, especially with this opening where Arthur and uh, Dad Reed are building a boat, uh, like a model boat, and Arthur extols the importance of following instructions, which is what he and his dad are trying to do. So, like, and he's like, imagine what would have happened if the people who uh, did the Eiffel Tower uh, didn't follow instructions. And it's like... Uh, and then we hear what is quite possibly the worst fake accent on Arthur yet. Not since Binky, like the band, uh, were like, do you want to lose with us? Have we heard a fake accent this uh, heinous? There are so many of you, you wouldn't fit in our limo. Yeah, and this is weird because, like, the company that does Arthur, uh, you know, at this time it was Cenar, like, are based out of Quebec, uh, based out of Quebec. So well, did you recognize this? So the voice actor is Mr. Rappard's actor. Yes, it is. Uh, doing a French accent that rivals my fake French accent in terms of bad French accents. I've been infamous for my fa- in bad uh, John Critchett impression. You know, I am just a boy from Shawinigan. But um, uh, this accent, it, what I just said right there, that was pretty bad, right? This accent's just as bad. Yeah, it's like it's like we we were supposed to attach piece set guns to piece was on set. Oh jeez, like that's 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 as close as I can get it. So it's not the greatest thing in the world I've ever heard. <laughs> a little, a little. Surprising. But all, it, it's it's basically it comes all the way back around those where it crosses the Rubicon where it's so bad it's good. Yeah. Uh, or a a um a goat that is fixing uh with, not often we see uh goats in Arthur who is fixing. Mo- eh, eh, eh. It's throwaway character of the week. <laughs> one-off character of the week. Well, actually, it's a pretty contentious episode for one-off characters of the week because there's going to be another one later on. But okay. I feel like we've had a really good string of one-off characters. You know, there was Cave Daddy. There was the Landlord. Um, they just keep adding them. And Repair Goat is the newest entry into the one-off character Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, you, you really have an eye for these. For these one-off characters, so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with you here. Um, didn't leave much of an impression on me, but I'm glad he did for you. Uh, he, he didn't read the instructions. He goes, "Yep, she's good as new," and then the the machine's immediately broken. And, yeah, and Mom Reed is just like, "Don't you want the instructions?" He's just like, "Don't need them." <laughs> so I mean, maybe I, maybe I was wrong. Maybe he does leave something of an impression. D uh, and the cold open ends when D W. Uh, so she's put t- she's put together this invention that's like basically a little airplane uh, on like a gun shooter, and it launches and accidentally breaks the boat that Arthur and Dad Reed made. And just and it's just like I I I made this without following instructions. So you know this this is what happened when when you kind of do your own thing. The actual episode. I hate to see Arthur and his dad assemble IKEA furniture. Yeah, really. I mean, they, I mean they did a good job. They just got it. They just uh, had somebody else uh, mess it up for them. Uh, So the actual episode has to do with Francine is trying to find somebody to take care of Nemo, her cat, who is going to who seems is going to become more of a plot device for some of Francine's episodes uh, going forward. Uh, So there are various people have excuses like Buster uh, well, okay, I, I got to get this out of the way, and I know this is me being annoying because be- the answer to this question is if she did this, the episode wouldn't happen. Yes. But I got to point out, it's a cat. 
They don't have to take it to their house. Like, they could just come over and feed it. I, as someone who owns a cat and someone who has taken care of other people's cats when they go on vacation for much longer than a weekend, the cat is fine to be in the house by itself. You just gotta fill the bowl. It'll be good. Like, don't worry about it. It's got a litter box. Like, there's... The cat can be home alone. You don't have to put it in the kitty kettle. It's kind of crazy that she's like, it has to be somewhere else. But if, if, if that happened, there wouldn't be an episode, so whatever, I'm nitpicking, but... I I know what I'm talking about here. Yeah, I mean, I used to do that with uh, uh, my mother and I used to do that with our neighbors' cats when I when I lived at home. Uh, we would just go over and feed them. Like, you get the key, you fill up the bowl. Yep, they're good. Ex- exactly, and that and that was totally fine. And it, but but I mean, you kind of self correct yourself right there. Uh, so Francine's having a hard time finding somebody to take care of Nemo. They uh, they run into the tough customers, specifically Molly Rattles and Binky. Rattles, who has a new dog named Crusher, who is uh, very, very big. I, I'm not sure of the breed on this one. It's probably a pit bull. It looks like a pit bull to me. Yeah, and he's and he's like got and he's like controlling it with like a chain. Like it's pretty the dog's real big and he's real mean. They kind of intimidate both Francine and Nemo. But then Binky comes back to quickly apologize. He's just like, sorry, Francine, I got to keep up appearances here. You understand. And and this is kind of where we learn that this is going to be a Binky episode. Yeah. Always, always appreciated here. Uh, I also I also like the return of Rattles. He's not exactly on the form of, uh, you know, the rabbit stays or what have you. But uh, it's going to be hard to top that. But I'm glad I'm glad he's uh, here nonetheless. <laughs> Rabo- Rattles at maybe his most psychopathic. Like, I... It's strongly implied that he wants to kill Francine's cat in this episode. Yeah, he's, uh, he's very cavalier like, like, about its life. Like, later on, he's like, let's get that cat down from that tree and I'll feed it to my dog. It's like, whoa, what? Yeah, jeez. Why do you want to kill this person's cat so bad? I know it's just like he's trying to be tough and intimidating, but coming to this as an adult, I'm like, jeez, he wants to kill this person's cat? That's kind of crazy. I, I guess I guess that's where the tough part of uh, Rattles' tough customer uh, reputation comes into play. I don't know if that's tough as much as it's just, like, criminal. Like, is he Michael Vick? Ugh. Like, why is he trying to make his dog eat this person's cat? I don't know. It's just odd. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so Francine decides to basically, in a roundabout way, uh, ask ask Binky to do it. Uh, to take care of Nemo, uh, I do like this of like how Francine is basically trying to bait Binky into into asking or being asked, and, he, and she's like, "I need a kid who's like really tough. I need a kid who's really really tough." And Binky and Binky hears this and goes, "Well, how about Sue Ellen?" <laughs> I love that he defers to her. That's such a great pull. Binky, there's multiple moments in this episode where Binky has lines that made me laugh out loud. Uh, it's right after this, another one happens where uh, Francine's like, please, Binky, I'll pay you $5 a day. Uh, and then uh, Binky's like, make it 10 for the whole weekend. Yeah, that's that's a cl- that's classic Binky logic for you. Yeah, so Binky does agree to take care of Nemo for a weekend while Francine goes away. Um we get a little bit of Binky casual wear as Francine takes Nemo over. She's got all of his stuff and a list of instructions that Binky has to follow and who Binky's very cavalier about not following the instructions, uh, which which our neighbors also always less left us instructions about how the cats were doing and what kind of food they need. So you've got to follow that. Uh, there's a really great moment here where Binky's like, okay, after Francine leaves, he's she's got this box of stuff for Nemo and he's got the instructions 
Uh, and he's like, all right, but first things first. And he rips open the envelope with the instructions, throws the instructions over his shoulder, and grabs the $10. Yeah. Nemo, we get a lot of, uh, we of course get a lot of Nemo in this episode. Uh, Lucas, I want to know your feelings on this. I've been very vocal about how much I love Pal. Pal's one of my favorite. I was just going to mention this, is that, you know, and I've always considered myself a dog person. You know, my family had a dog, but I've only gotten a cat recently. Happy birthday um, Happy birthday to your dog, by the way. Happy birthday to Spirit, six years old. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I was starting to get those Will Ca- Pal vibes from when Nemo's, like, smiling and stuff. I was like, that is a cute kitty. Uh, and maybe it's because I've been whole wrapped in, tricked into being a cat person because I now have a cat myself. But I couldn't help but whenever like Nebo shows Binky he's really happy, I was like, "Aw." Well, th- well, and that's and that's the question I wanted to pose. Uh, who's cuter, Nemo or Pal? Oh, that's difficult. That's so tricky. Well, you know what? I, there was a moment in this episode. Uh, there's a part where uh, Nebo starts playing with uh, uh, Binky's shoelaces. Yeah. Uh, and that's just like you know, Spirit's a very different type of dog than Pal. He's not like a Labrador or a, or whatever Pal is. I'm not actually sure what Pal is supposed to be. I'd say Golden Retriever, uh, probably. A Golden Retriever. So I don't really have a lot of experience with a Golden Retriever. So I might, I hate to betray my, uh, you know, always being a dog person, but I might have to go with Nemo here. Just because when Nemo was playing with Binky's shoelaces, I so much saw my own cat in there. And, it, you know, he's kind of got a similar color palette to my cat. I was like, oh. Nemo's very cute. He's got a very handsome face. But, uh, you know, I'm a... I'm a, I'm a I'm a pal. You're a pal diehard. I'm a, Wouldn't expect anything else. I'm a pal lifer, but I gotta get props. Nemo is very cute. I just uh, I I like me pal. Pal's been I've been down with pal since day one. So Binky has you know just kind of has a bit of hijinks in taking care of uh, Nemo. Like he built him a uh, he built it basically basically, basically treating him like a dog. Like he built him an obstacle course, which Nemo doesn't want to go through, and Binky just kind of ends up. Uh, hurting himself trying to demonstrate how to go through it tries to play fetch with Nemo with like a mouse uh is just basic basically wants him to do wants him to do more but uh is uh not exactly familiar with how cats work there's a there's a part where um uh Nemo goes up a tree and like uh uh, rattles comes by with crusher and he's like hey Binky what are you doing talking to that tree And, and Binky's like I was uh practicing insults you weeping willow. It's moments like that where it's like, if this episode was any other Arthur character, even Arthur himself, it would be like a middle of the road episode. But like, I feel like you stick Binky as the central focal point of any episode concept, and he just carries it so well. Like, Binky's like, his haphazard way, he always kind of wants to do the right thing, but he's also kind of like a bumbling buffoon. Um, it's just so likable. Uh, like, even though Binky acts like an idiot a lot in this episode, you can't help but root for him. Like, you're like, oh, Binky, like, you're so misguided, but I want to root for you. Binky is like the Kurt Angle of the Arthur roster. It's just like he can thrive in any situation with any cast member. Binky eventually uh, finds a bit of common ground with Nemo, as, like you said, Nemo playing with Binky's shoelaces, and Binky gives him a, uh, like a ball of yarn to play with and ends up covering the whole room. Uh, there's a there's a line delivery in here that I've always remembered. It's when Binky's trying to sleep at night. But Nemo- I wrote this down as well. This is like one of the weirdest, but like I love it, Binky deliveries ever. Uh, and, and Nemo's scratching on his dresser. And Binky says a couple times like, Nemo, stop scratching. Nemo, please stop that. And then uh, Nemo keeps scratching. 
Biggie gets up and just goes, Nemo, stop that. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's think, Thinking about that sometimes or saying it to myself just makes me laugh. I've always remembered it. Uh, so they seem to be getting along pretty well by the end of the weekend. Eventually it becomes Sunday. And Binky, uh, importantly, uh, feeds Nemo milk for breakfast because uh, he's so he was kept up all night to give Nemo belly rubs. Uh, and of course, didn't read the instructions. So he gives Nemo milk, which kind of makes Nemo freak out a little bit, uh, which kind of concerns Binky, and he's wondering why. And then c- comes to the conclusion it must be because Francine is a terrible owner who's really mean to Nemo. Yeah, Binky jumps to some conclusions here for sure. But you know what? In this fantasy scenario, my first thought is we've had so many negative Francine episodes lately. I was like, this isn't that out of character for Francine. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Only with the first one. Only with the one where it's like Nemo has to wake her up. Eventually, it gets like they it gets really out of hand. Um, once she's getting Nemo to clean the floors, and especially when she's, like, whipping Nemo to, like, pull a carriage, I'm like, oh my god, this is kind of, like, brutal. Yeah, it is. It's a little distressing if you're, like, super into cats or something, even though it is just a fantasy. And uh, in that in that same fantasy, you, you said that just, like, Francine berates Nemo for not waking her up, even though she had an alarm. So, like, what does she care? Why did she set an alarm if Nemo was supposed to wake her up? Anyway, I know it's not supposed to make sense. It just kind of seemed weird. Binky's, Binky decides that he has to kind of steal Nemo away uh, from Francine somehow. And uh, I do appreciate the, in the next couple of scenes, Binky's, he, he, his heart's in the right place. He, want, he doesn't want anybody to be unkind to Nemo, even though it's misplaced. Uh, so he uh, steals Nemo away to the treehouse. He hides him under like a big jacket that he has and passes by Arthur and Buster. And they're just like, Binky, did you just meow? And he's like, yeah. Can a kid meow if he wants to <laughs> meow, meow, meow. Not, again, not a bad cover. Binky, Binky's very good with the yes. And uh, again, and it all fits the kid. I, I know I've said it so many times, but I love Binky. <laughs> oh, Binky's the best. Binky, ta- Binky does take Nemo to the treehouse, kind of ties him up in his leash that Francine had him on, and uh, he re- Binky realizes he needs to get more food. So he goes to is this a was this a pet store or was it like a grocery store in the pet? Aisle? It is a it is a pet store, and we're now introduced to the second one off character of the week week week. Yep, and that is helpful pet store employee. Well, I you say helpful, I'd say pushy. Like the uh, the upseller, let's call him. Uh, hey, Binky asked him, "What does he need if he's getting a new cat?" And this pet store employee did not disappoint. I mean, I mean, some of these seem like he, you know, he gives him like you know a kennel, uh, this type of food, all that sort of stuff. But then there's like, uh, and like uh, toys to play with. But then there's stuff he's trying to sell him, like booties and like books. Like, did you have to buy booties? Oh, for your cat? what were the books called? The books were really funny. It was like when cats go gosh. when cats go bad and when cats go really bad. <laughs> There's a very interesting delivery to this uh, uh, to this guy. He's is is very his elocution is very good. I don't. It's hard to describe, but it's like uh, he's like, oh, we have the two books. Cats go bad, and when cats go really bad, it's it really sounds like the voice of a radio commercial. Just like when cats go bad, and when cats go really bad, 
And then Vinky's like, is this going to cost more than $10? And then, like, the guy, like... T- he sort of, he, like, furrows his brow yeah. and he, like, calculates how much it will cost. And, and and I remember this delivery, too, very well. He's just like, it'll be $121.46. And then Vinky, like, r- yells and runs out of the out of there. So, Lucas, I needed your I need your expertise as someone who owns a cat. So... Keeping in mind all the stuff that was in Binky's cart there. So $121.46 for all of that cat stuff. Is it Was it more expensive when you got your cat, or is it about the same? No, that's about the same, because we had to get the carrier, we had to get the litter box, we had to get the litter, we had to get the, the food, um, and we had to get the uh, like toys and stuff. So it might even be a little bit more. Like That's not that out of hand. Um, well, yeah, with inflation. And that's not even including the jungle gym that we eventually did get. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, with inflation and everything, I was just wondering if this is like, wow, that's uh, that's uh, heinous. That's like a huge markup, or if it's like true to life. No, that in fact, like throw those two books in there. That actually seems like all, all that stuff for that much money. They got three bags of food. Um, that seems like a pretty good deal, to be honest with you. Right on. Binky, Binky yells and runs out of the store and then goes back to the treehouse, and uh, Nemo actually got out of his leash and is wandering around somewhere. And this ends up being... Uh, Binky ends up giving giving chase to him. He's chasing the cat. And we actually get pretty much the action scene of this episode where, uh, as Binky is chasing Nemo, the tough customers uh, lose control of Crusher, and Crusher chases after Nemo as well and backs, it, backs him into, like, a bush and looks like he's going to... Like, again, like you say, Rattles is, like, cheering on this dog, like, potentially hurting or even, like, eating this cat. It's kind of harrowing. But <laughs> as we see in the bush, and Francine notices Binky uh, chasing after Nemo, and she's horrified. Uh, Crusher kind of snarls at Nemo, but Nemo hisses back at him and actually, like, swaps him on the nose. And uh, Binky's like, yeah, right on the kisser. And then Crusher ends up running away. He's all bark and no bite. And Francine, again horrified at this and binky realizes like hey like nemo's nemo's not afraid of you or anything like that and then francine eventually directs binky to her instructions which are as follows instructions she even says uh, i wrote it down don't feed him milk it makes him go crazy or whatever it is and he's allergic yeah yeah and the rest of the note says and remember he's not a dog or a robot he'll only do what you want if he feels like it and then somehow, I mean, Francine, uh, or I, I shouldn't say somehow, like, Binky does end up forming some kind of a relationship with Nemo to the point where Francine is very is impressed enough that she wants to have Binky be uh, his, uh, Nemo's official cat babysitter or cat carer or whatever it is. And then Binky's like, yeah, next time I'll, I'll give you some boxing lessons, Nemo. Uh, I, I, I did like he was genuinely trying to coach him. Just like, you've got a good southpaw, but you got to work on your footwork a little more. <laughs> And then Nemo just gives a big yawn. He's just, or oh, we'll just nap all day. And that's a uh, complete 180 from the weird ending of the previous episode. This was like a fun, genuine, like, aw. Yeah. Nemo and Biggie are friends now. Yeah, kind of sweet. Uh, speaking of the ending of that first episode, that's it for uh, this particular one. So let's rewind it back. Uh, for, uh, sleep no more. What'd you make of that one? Man, I was all the way on this episode. Until that bizarre ending. Hmm. Like, I thought it was, like, kind of... It was kind of fun. Like, oh, like, this was a real thing I struggled with when I was a kid. Like, some nights I just couldn't get to sleep because I was too excited. 
And I kind of liked like the scenes where all the kids are trying to brainstorm how to get Buster to go to sleep. Um, and all the weird narcolepsy stuff was just fun for how weird it was. But then like this episode just like the conclusion is just so odd and anticlimactic. And the fact that like Buster learns his lesson and then it just doesn't really mean anything. I, it, it just I almost left a bad taste in my mouth. I was like, this is just strange. I agree. Um, it's hard to know exactly what to think. I think there were some really fun ideas in there, like Buster at an eating mm, co- definitely. Buster at an eating contest is a natural. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't gotten it so far. Uh, it's weird that we just got it. Um, and I like the idea of like another pizza amusement park. I, l- I liked your observation that we keep getting those amusement park reveals. Um, I I think that there's a lot to work with there. Um, and I do like the idea of, like, Buster being sleepy all the time. I feel like it's always focused on of just, like, he is, uh, like, he's always eating. And although this is also a bit of a, a character stereotype or something to that effect, it's like, well, he does like to sleep a lot as well. He's very, he's quite lazy. So we're at least focusing on something a little different. Uh, and, and, and to the point of where we've said a couple of times that it's basically narcolepsy, it's kind of funny because pretty much just a a one-off focusing episode but i mean it really seems to build to something and then kind of doesn't deliver in in terms of like we're talking about buster's destiny the whole episode and that's actually kind of like interesting of how they'll reconcile with that and then eventually it's like okay buster realizes that he doesn't have to it's just a contest which is fine actually i think that that's a fine thing to. that's actually a good lesson yeah i i liked where it was going with like oh you know you shouldn't get so worked up about things they're they're not all the be all end all but then it's just like it fizzles out. Yeah, the problem is is that it doesn't really end there because the ending is Buster then uh, not getting to do it even though he kind of overcame the intimidation of it all and then he still ends up having trouble sleeping and I'm like, well, I thought we solved this. Like, why is this still a problem? I don't understand. It's just a weird place to kind of end it at. So yeah, I think um, almost everything except the ending. The ending really brings it down a little bit. Um... I I, th- I think we talked about this last week, and we've talked about it before, about how some episodes improve in talking about them. I think when I watched Pet Peeved, I wasn't as I wasn't as uh, uh, keen on it. I was just like, ah, it's you know, it's a Binky episode. It's fine. There's there's Nemo. Nemo's pretty cute. We got to see the tough customers again. Binky's always great, so, but it's it's kind of fine. But really, in talking about it, I appreciate it because. Um, as much as we do get a good, like, we, we don't go too long without a Binky episode here and there. Like, they really are to be treasured, because they deliver on a whole other level than a lot of other episodes have this season. It's just funny, funny in a kind of different way. It's hard. Yeah, I agree, I agree. It's a very different sense of humor, but it's, you know, it's executed so well. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's some heartfelt moments uh, the story itself actually kind of makes sense of just like Binky not wanting to follow the rules and not treating Nemo like a cat, essentially. And then kind of learning from his mistakes. I think that there was a progression here, that the story progression that kind of made sense. And we ended up in kind of a fun place. And yeah, I'd, I'd say I'm, a, I'm more positive on it having talked it out. Like you said earlier, Binky's like Kurt Angle. You could put him with anything, right? Like in the Binky episodes with DW, they work really well. The Binky episodes with Arthur, they work well. Binky episodes with Francine, Binky episodes with Bray. Like no matter what character you pair him with, 
uh, he shines. And in this episode, they pair him with a character that doesn't talk, Nemo, and still the relationship is, like, super endearing, and, like, the way they play off each other is super fun, like, Nemo not doing what Biggie wants him to do. Um, it, so it just shows how real well-realized that character is. Um, and Arthur's got a lot of well-realized characters, but Biggie definitely, we've talked about this time and time again, is a huge cut above the rest. Um, and this episode's just exemplary of that. And I gotta say, like, there's a lot of good Biggie episodes, but this one hey, must maybe has more quotable lines than a lot of them do. Like, this episode, every time Biggie opens his mouth, he says something funny. I was just, like, rolling laughing at some parts of this episode. Is it, like, one of my favorite ever? No, but I definitely really enjoyed it. Yeah, and I appreciate its being here. I think we've made no bo- I've made no bones about the fact that just being baffled at how this uh, season of Arthur is the one that finally won them the Emmy. And uh, again, I hey, I really like the one with the 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 lice and the the foot race. Those were two really good episodes. Sure, but I and 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 I'm not saying that as like oh this season is absolutely terrible. It's not terrible, but better than season two. Sure, but you know what was you know what was I I I've, I've said this before. I don't want to repeat myself, but season one was so good, and like I just like listening to our old episodes talking about it. I'm just like man, there's some all time great episodes in there, and somehow that that didn't win. It's just. And it's and I know it's it's the Emmys. It's you know not necessarily about like what's the best yeah, creative. Does, like, like Big does Big Bang Theory have Emmys? Probably. And of course, you can look at it like it's a cumulative Emmy of all the great episodes they had up to that point. So you know, I I'm probably getting upset over nothing. And really, I'm not that upset. But it's just interesting to kind of look at this is the this is the season that you attach with the Emmy. And it's like okay, well, it's not really doing it for me at this point. But there's still room. Uh, to have a couple of good episodes before we end it off, and there's definitely room to get room to get weirder. That's uh, uh, I keep saying we and we have this season has had some interesting curveballs in terms of storytelling, and I've loved it, and I want it to keep going. Uh, and but it's but of course always good to get back down to earth with uh with a simpler episode like this Binky one, uh, pet peeved. Uh, so there you go. And if you feel a sort of way about uh, about these episodes, then you can make sure to contact us. We'd love to hear from you uh, at our various social media platforms uh, by email. Thank you, Kelsey, for your email. And, of course, by listening to us. Hey, uh, you know what? I realized we should have made this part of the, uh, the mid-scroll, as it were. But uh, if you haven't done so... Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, if you would, or wherever you find us. If there is a rating or review system attached to it, we would really appreciate it. It'll help more people find out that Elwood City Limits exists. And the next time you hear from us, we're going to be covering it. We've only got a couple of episodes left of Season 5, so I'm really uh, uh, hoping for some good stuff to come out of what we've got left. And the next one, I know exactly what these two are, and I'm very interested to dip into these. It's going to be The Last of Mary Moo Cow and Bit- Bitsy's Bow. So uh, let let the let those, if you're not exactly quite sure, well, then uh, keep wondering, and we'll be getting back to you pretty, pretty soon. Uh, Lucas, good luck with all of your uh, good luck with all of your school work. I'm glad that you were able to join me. I know that this is a pretty busy time for you this year. Yeah, this is a special late night edition of Elwood City Limits. Yeah, and I've got a I've got a 12 hour shift tomorrow. So this is the this is the good thi- this is the good thing to kind of 
uh, hold in my heart before I take the plunge into 12 hours of straight work tomorrow. Well, hopefully you don't have narcolepsy like Buster and fall asleep. Oh my god, I, 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 I would be fired. I, that's just how that would go. It's, uh, oh man. The, yeah, shout out, to, shout out to all of our podcast listeners with narcolepsy. Re- really, uh, really feeling that now. Uh, my name is Will Young. Thank you for listening to this episode of Elwood City Limits, as always. And for Lucas Mancini. Money? Hmm. We'll see you next time.